The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, be and be brave. fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasa, your host, and today I'm excited to welcome Martin Filtz, who is the CEO of Pure Profile. Welcome, Martin. Oh, hi, Seema. I am honored to be here. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me, and I hope I do your podcast justice and oh. maybe share something that actually is of interest to your listeners. Thank you so much. Listen, we already had a chat offline for a few minutes. I know this is going to be interesting, so just relax and enjoy the conversation. I always say it's like having catching up with a friend and having a cup of coffee or a cocktail, depending on what time it is. So Martin, just for our listeners, give us a little bit of background on who you are and how you got your position up your profile. Yeah, uh, thanks, Seema. I'm in my 50s, so this could take up a while now. But, um, <laughs> the first time that I got involved with research was with a company called Red Sheriff back in the 90s, which we then sold to Nielsen in about 2004. And Red Sheriff tracked website behavior of users for brands. Okay. And I headed up Europe for them. It was an absolute startup, uh, Australian startup in, Austria, uh, in Europe. Wait, My did you do that from Australia up. or you, did you do that in Europe? No, I did that in Europe. So okay. I'm from UK originally, I'm from London originally. And so I was living and working then in London. Okay. And and my eyes just opened up. It was the first time, and I've been involved in technology yeah. in my career. I'd, I'd sold a company and done a trade sale of my own company and another trade sale of a company I was heading up. So technology is something I've been involved in in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. It was a really exciting time as it is now. But I looked at this behavioral data in that Red Sheriff had. And I went, oh my Lord, mm-hmm. how can any company make any decision without not first looking at information? Right. And it is the first time I've been involved with sort of consumer insights and I was sold. <laughs> and sinker. I loved it. And I saw a reason for getting up in the morning. Mm-hmm. You're helping clients to have a better experience with their consumers. Consumers are going to have a better experience with the brands. It was a win-win for everybody. And especially 2000s, it was so exciting oh, yes. yeah. to be involved in the space. And so that was my first entrance. And we sold that to Nielsen. And I, I spent a while at, at Nielsen as well integrating the teams across Europe that had come together. And then it was about 2008, I found myself in Australia. So I have a beautiful Australian wife and two Australian daughters. And so I found myself in Australia. 
And a friend of mine, Johnny Caldwell, was working for Research Now. I'd already been always involved in the technology side, so I hadn't heard of Research Now. And Johnny said, oh, they're looking for a head of Asia. You know, maybe you should have a discussion. And so then I got involved with Research Now. What an exciting company. Chris yes. Havnan, great leader, an exciting brand. And, everything they're doing. and suddenly I went from behavioral data to actually insights to people's sentiments. And I was like, oh my God, this is even more exciting. This is really what I care about, what I think about. And, uh, you know, panels were, I could, it was like the holy grail to me. I discovered chocolate. And so uh, then Research Now and headed up in uh, APAC for Research Now and EMEA and APAC for Research Now. And then I got headhunted to go and join Lightspeed just prior to the GMI acquisition to do the integration of David Day, who headed up Lightspeed at the time. He headed up Nielsen when we'd sold the company. So we did the integration. And so did that. And so then Lightspeed, and I left Lightspeed to join a company called Eureka, which was uh, all about big data. And that was another eye-opening discovery for me. And that was actually brands were happy to look at uh, big telco data, maybe 100 million users in a country, and actually make business decisions made on that big data. And it isn't representative, and there might be biases, and it's not every decision. And this was another eureka moment mm-hmm. in the company as well. But that was another eye-opening decision, that discovery that was, wow. And so then COVID struck and all my teams around the world. And I thought I wanted to do somewhere close, something closer to home. And uh, Pure Profile didn't have a CEO. And I'd known Pure Profile, 22-year-old company, being top-up partner, panel partner, competitor, and didn't have a CEO. And actually, it was a perfect fit for me. And I remember when I had a few meetings with the chairman, having contacted the chairman, I remember coming back from one of the meetings and again, being so excited that this was a piece of plasticine with amazing technology and people and all the rest of it, but had the opportunity to mould itself into a company that really could do special things for both clients or clients, panellists and people and teams. And I came back from one of the chats and my wife said, oh, I haven't seen you so excited about me for age. If you don't get this, if you, this doesn't work out, just go and retire and yeah, we'll right. go and Byron Bay up there. <laughs> She was nervous as to your reaction, what it might have been if you did not get the position, I imagine. That was it. Yeah. The, the summary I just want everybody to get out there, and I say to people, is throughout my career, you've got to be open to being excited. You've got to be open about discovering something new. And if I had just treated Red Sheriff as a job and perhaps Research Now as a job, et cetera, then I wouldn't have the most incredible role that I have today. And and so just be hungry to learn, just be hungry to open your eyes and be be willing to be amazed by everything. And that's how I lead my life. I love it. And that's what's ended up today at at Pure Profile. I think we can appoint you as an ambassador our industry for the love of insights and data and the passion for it. And that's a compliment. (laughs) The question I have for you, though, I'm curious, before you got into, let's say, the quote unquote data or insight space, how much were you aware of it? How much did insights or data feed into decisions you made into whatever position you were in? Zero. Zero. Isn't that crazy? 
It's so crazy. And I think that's such a brilliant question. And that is so important that I think the whole research industry needs to be aware that outside of the research industry, nobody cares about the research industry. And so so I was heavily involved in technology, sold my own company, um, sold another accounting software company that I was then heading up. And we didn't bat an eyelid, spend a moment thinking Thinking about about how our technology was being used. It was just purely about selling that technology to that brand, the features and benefits. I think that outside of that niche, that job description, it's not thought of in the same way. And we've got to spread the usage of the data much more importantly. I had a meeting yesterday with a big quick service restaurant Mm -hmm. chain here in Australia, they've got about 180 locations. They're opening up another 180. And he asked me again that great innocent question, which is who in our company would use this? And suddenly you go, wow, thanks for asking me this, Mr. CEO. And actually it's whoever needs to make a business decision should look at this data. We talked about locations of branches and we talked about the products being shipped in each different location. And we talked about the chief marketing officer to know something's working, et cetera. And we'd rattled off sort of 10 different areas of their quick service restaurant business that should be looking at at data. And out of all of those, what came, there were three that actually are. And it's the data and innovation team, the chief marketing officer, and the executive team that looks at data every month. That's, nobody else. Nobody else does. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think there's a lot of education, a lot of, it's almost creating demand for data, right? In places that people don't know it exists and it can actually help them mitigate risk. It can inform innovation ideas and really play an integral role in driving, at least, you know, take calculated risks. Spot on. So, okay, you get to Pure Profile. It doesn't have a CEO. I think you mentioned for 18 months. Yep. That's a little bit of a red light or maybe yellow light. Tell us a little bit about what kind of decisions you had to make when you got into the company. Yeah, look, everything I've done on the shoulders of giants. So I'm not, I was listening to Michael McCrary interviewed with yourself in the podcast. I'm not an entrepreneur. And I think there are three types of people. I think one a tripper or whatever was his example. One a patrurer who keeps dreaming about it. Yes. But also that execution team. Yes. And many founders and many entrepreneurs have had got a brilliant idea, but actually they need an execution team yes. to make that into reality. I'm that. I'm, that's my skill. Mm-hmm. And so Pure Profile launched, it's our 22-year anniversary this year. Paul Chan had launched Pure Profile. Genius, you know, along with Chris Havman, um, really changing the way the research was done and sample was gathered, relationship with panelists, relationship with clients, fantastic. But didn't have a great execution team, so it was a confused company. Okay. So as a company during that period, rather than being laser focused on data and insights, Mm There was, are we a technology company? Are we a media company? Are we a data and insights company? And so the company sort of bubbled along, made a a poor, very large uh, media acquisition in 2016, which left the company with 
a lot of debt. And again, the series of CEOs that came in were media focused. The jewel of the crown that was sitting there was data and insight. And so when I opened the doors to Pure Profile, uh, firstly, it was already global. We had offices in five countries. We had a, a large Indian offshoring center where we're doing scripting, data processing, etc. So the framework was there mm-hmm. of a mini YouGov, Lightspeed, Dynata, etc. who were in 40-odd countries. It was already set up. So it was like, wow, it had really cool technology um, that was delivering in ways that I wasn't used to it being delivered in other companies I've worked for. So that was pretty cool. Um, we do a lot of our work with partnerships. So again, working with partners, we just mm-hmm. find flybys and News Corp and others where actually partners deliver data or handlists to us, which enables you to go after niches, etc., and fast quickly roll out new countries. So that was innovation and then amazing people. And mm-hmm. I really thought you'd open the doors and see the company that was bubbling on for a while, not doing much, and all the good people would have left. And there's an amazing passion and culture and incredible element of pure profile that actually the people there so it was all sitting there there was just loads of the noise fundamentals were there so the first job was sitting down with the executive team and saying hey let's get rid of all this noise and let's uncover the onion this is the part of the business that's been growing and so creating a, a core strategy around being global, mm-hmm. around having great technology, around then delivering what our clients want, which is data and insights and media campaigns. So that insights to activation. And then along with that, because we're publicly listed in, uh, we're on the Australian stock market. So we did a debt to equity swap. Nice. So we got rid of our debt mountain. And that opened up a pressure cooker, just getting rid of the debt. Yeah. Suddenly clients were going, oh, I want to spend more with you. And partners, I want to sign with you. And team members going, oh, thank God, I've got a job next month. Right. Here we go. What, what can I do and how can I work? And then because I'm old enough and I've been in the industry while, I am um, sorry for annoying lots of other people, but I went around <laughs> cherry picked amazing people. So I'm sorry to the companies I cherry picked cherry- people from. And I'm sorry to the people that I haven't yet um, chosen, but you're next on my list. <laughs> and so a new head of operations, global head of operations, Lorraine, who'd done that at Lightspeed, and a head of data and partnerships, Young, who'd done that at Lightspeed, and a couple of key salespeople from Dynata, and an amazing head of product from Facebook, and a, a number of others. Nice. So we brought in about 18 new people or so that knew how to run a business like this. And then, you know, the art is getting out of the way. The art is giving everybody the tools that they need to flourish and then backing off. And to us, I've got to, again, I talk to a lot of investors who spend perhaps too much time having to do that because we're public. And what I say to investors is you should really just look at two metrics. Mm. And the two metrics we really look at is firstly, customer satisfaction. Our NPS score is about Mm -hmm. 86 and anything over above 73 is world-class. And so NPS is 86. And our employee satisfaction is 83, anything above 78. We just did a great place to work in Australia. And we scored 98 out of 100. Wow. 
if you've got amazingly engaged employees, the team members that want to come to work, that are enjoying, enjoying what they do, that are, they're then going to be passionate. Their reward comes from having a voice and having a share and, and talking about and being entrepreneurial and knowing how they fit in and what difference they're making. So if you've got that, guess what? When they talk to clients, the clients will sense and feel yes. and the problems will be solved. And if those two numbers are high, you're going to have a successful business. It's the first time that I've been a global CEO of a company, Mm -hmm. and it's the first time that I've been able to go, right, who have I worked with before that I've really admired, and what made me admire them, and what leaders do I look at that I want to spend more time with, and, you know, people like Patrick Coomer is a a great leader, and Dan Fitzgerald, uh, another one, Michael McCrary, uh, Vin, who you had on the other day, and so I'm looking at characteristics of those people thinking, okay, that makes a good leader, and that is what we should encompass in our organisation. Then I look at where have I worked before, and I'm not going to name names like sure. I just did. Which uh, <laughs> haven't I should throw in the other good box? Where have I worked with before, and actually, is oh my lord, that is just I don't want to be like that, and I don't want a company right. like that. What yeah. didn't work, and and it's our sandbox. Is yeah. mine and the executive team sandbox? We can create a company that actually is the best of the best that really is just surrounded by people that want to work here, and then yeah. too often, I mean. Tom Hamilton had just came across from Dinata um, in Australia. He said to me the other day, this is like an episode of Black Glass. I'm just waiting for the moment to happen that it's not real. It's oh some sort of parallel. <laughs> I did an interview. I won't name the person yeah. again. But I, I, they cried in their interview because they couldn't believe that Pure Profile was like it is and so different to where they were coming from. We hired them, by the way. That's you know, amazing. That's great. Cry. And it was yeah. it. also to talk about quality and diversity. It was a male that cried in their interview about this can't be right. This, you cannot right. have an organisation like this. And so that is our fundamental thing. Let's just create this yes. amazing entity that people are loving coming to work at. And you know what? The rest will happen, whether yeah. it's new products and new countries and something we don't even do today. Day, but we're doing three years time that we'll be famous for yep. it doesn't matter it's about having that team that comes on the journey with you let me ask you how often do you collect those metrics how often do you look at those metrics and are they real time are they monthly are they weekly you know if those are the two metrics you have shareholders you have internal your executives look at i'd love to understand how often you collect it and you know what do you do if it dips yeah, yeah. so the Last question first. First thing you do if it starts to dip is understand why it is dipping. And so clients, the NPS score, we do at the end of every project. Okay. We do at the every month and we do every six months a longer one and then we do every 12 months so that we do on clients what we also do with clients is they regularly present to the whole organization so every month we have uh, three clients who present to the whole organization and it's not it's slipped a little bit it's meant to be but regularly I'll say now regularly just in case sure 
you go, hang on, we don't do that. Yeah, right. So regularly we have three clients who present to the whole organisation about their business, about what they're seeing and also how we're performing. Um, twice a year we have executive team sessions, strategy sessions, which again we invite people across the organisation to join. We don't sit in an ivory tower. And we also invite clients to present at that, talking about the same things that they've seen. So trying to be really close to your clients. Panelists, we do every survey and again, every regularly, maybe it's every six months. And then on the employee side, the normal thing. So we have it every 12 months, we have it every six months, and then we do check-ins and pulses when needed. What we also do is, you know, it's, I speak to every new employee that starts the company within three weeks of them starting. doesn't matter what location, what level, who they are, whether I've interviewed them or not. I have a 15 to 30 minute chat with them about who we are, what we are. I want to understand them, um, maybe about their living situation, children Mm. and marriage and whatever else, and their aspirations, which really freaks some people out. And I meet with every new employee within sort of two weeks or a month of them starting. There's 15 minute to 30 minute chat, uh, wanting to explain about the culture and the purpose and what we're trying to do at Pure Profile. But in addition, understanding more about them, their lives and their aspirations and living situations. And that really freaks out a lot of people. And I'm just me. I don't get this. I uh, firstly... You know, you do training about being an authentic leader or whatever. Like life's too exhausting to be two people. I I totally agree with you. It is so, and I, the faster people understand this, the more efficient they'll be and the happier they are. They don't have to work on this facade. Anyway, sorry. I'm vehemently in agreement with you. No, but you're exactly right. Like if we can just get out of our own egos we just everybody is just people and you know I'm a father to four children and I'm a husband and I get annoyed when people park in car parking spaces (laughs) that shouldn't park in and uh, all of the I should exercise more and be healthier and blah 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 and therefore I'm just having a conversation with people and that's immediately makes me feel comfortable and Mm -hmm. and hopefully ensures that they can see peer profile as a place that they have a voice and I think all companies should do that all Mm. companies should ensure that everybody feels that they know how they fit in and they have a place and they have a purpose and they're not just a number and and by doing that every quarter I sit down with every team every quarter to just free for hot 30 minutes and Mm -hmm. there is there's no agenda and it's for them to share with me anything that they want to talk about or ask and we have a complete open policy. What has been the biggest surprise that you've gotten out of those feedback sessions? That's a really good question. I'm now, and you caught me on the hop. I'm on the, we've had quite a few new people that started in yeah. India recently. And somebody in India just last week on the call said to me, so what would you say to the yourself starting out in the industry mm. um, 30 years ago? What conversation would you have? And nobody has ever asked me that. And this was somebody, this is their first job and they genuinely want to understand how do you get there and how do I grow and what do I do? And that stopped me. Yeah, yeah. It's It's not an everyday question. It sounds like you're very close to clients. You're close to your employees. Obviously, you have to be close to your shareholders. There's no choice there. 
talk to me about panelists, the people who participate, the people that make things, you know, they basically they're the fuel of your company. Yeah, yeah. So I just like clients and just like all of the team members, yes. the pure local community, um, give them what they want. Give everybody what they need and what they want. Give them, you know, the comfort and the house and the food yeah. and the security. And then with panelists, it's the same. Give panelists what they want and what they need. And, and what's really interesting is we spend a lot of time talking about gamification and questionnaires right. and reducing the length of the survey or increase the rewards. If you want somebody to do a 40-minute survey, give them 100 bucks. Yeah. But don't ask them to do a 40-minute survey and the reward is not correct. And actually, the panelists, yes, it's a fully engaged mm-hmm. environment. It's a two-way conversation. Um, so our job, sorry, firstly, I'll, I'll take a step back. Sure. What's our job? Our job is across the organisation to recognise we're custodians of that panellist. Yes. So whether I'm in finance or sales or ops, actually I'm responsible for that panellist staying and staying engaged. So that's a key thing that we have across the organisation. Then it is about ensuring that the panellist is fully engaged. So it is an engaging environment. Mm -hmm. They're getting relevant news and relevant information. Also, two-way conversations. We don't do that enough. I do a study on children getting vaccinated. We just did that in Australia. And 22%, by the way, of parents won't vaccinate their children because they don't believe in it. But what do they want? They don't just want to answer a survey saying, I don't know how Mm. I sit in the world, but actually tell them they're one of 22%. Tell them they're one of 78. And my, we're just getting our children vaccinated. My child, my wife was asked, great, you've done the study. Talk to me about what the response were. And I said, 78% of parents said, yes, they're going to get this done. That helps us. Right. We're more informed so we can make a life decision. So you need to treat every survey that individuals are doing actually as how does it actually further their lives? How does it further their knowledge and their insights about themselves, about their peer group? And so we do that. And that is a huge difference that I see across panels around the world. Uh, Relevant rewards. And it doesn't just have to be, yes, 40-minute study, I'll get a couple of hundred bucks or whatever for doing that. But actually... If it's a relevant study to my interest group, then I'm more likely to do it, especially if you're going to tell me how I am comparative to my peer group. So we spend a lot of time recruiting panellists from partners. So we just announced, for example, a partnership with the Asian parent across Asia, 11 countries, 39 million people. Now, I'm not going to give 39 million people a car survey or a deodorant survey. The 39 million people want, it's the Asian parent, Mm -hmm. guess what they are, they're Asian parents, they want parenting type studies, they want to understand about what are the best conditioners Mm -hmm. or nappies or milk formula or maybe SUV for a family is to use. Give them the results of that study as well. How do they form? And guess what? They're going to do the next study and they're engaged to do more and more studies. Now, those are studies that you've created or these are client studies or you guys, they're client studies. So you get the client to agree to share some of those results. Or is that like a policy that you have that, listen, we're going to engage panelists. Part of our relationship with the panelists is just to give them some more insight, to make them more educated, more informed. How does that work? 
Uh, some do and some don't. Okay, all right. So they're getting so, some feedback. They're getting feedback. It doesn't. It doesn't mean then, every time. I'll spot on CMA. And then every survey you run yourself, you know, the, those internal engagement surveys to yeah. make sure, yeah, you're giving them that feedback. Okay. But first and foremost, give 39 million people parenting studies and yes. they would do more. Yes. When uh, Flybys, which is a big partner in Australia, they've got 9 million members, their main uh, grocery buyers mm-hmm. and shoppers, give them studies around cereals around mm-hmm. products that are buying supermarkets etc that is what they're more interested in uh raise in australia another one financial audience try to give them financial studies uh etc so we build up our panel base by going out to partners and we've got some interesting discussions going on at the moment with us and european partners we only you know the scales off the sure. charts when you talk about the US. Yes. And again, one particular US partner, it will all be around a niche and it's a big niche. They've got 140 million members in their audience, but it's a niche audience. Okay. Just give them that niche. Top, just that topic, give yeah. Right. Then that topic. And mm. that's a high level engagement. And then we get to gamification and shorter surveys. Sure and question arts but th- those are the main ones feedback yeah i give them surveys that they want and relevant rewards so when you partner with somebody i'm already bought into that um those principles uh, membership scheme yes. so flybys i get flybys points raise yep. i get dollars that are invested news corp i get subscriptions mm. asian parent i get discounts etc off their side so relevant rewards mm. engagement by giving them feedback and relevant topics that's the secret sauce i don't know why everybody doesn't do that i love it the area that i think is interesting i'd like to just dial into it a bit is that you say that everybody is a custodian to the panel right how does that play out like how is finance a custodian for the panel tell me that as part of or you know the other one is sales how does that come into their psyche how does that play out on a day-to-day basis Yeah, so if we talked about finance, your highest revenue client actually might be harming your business because of they're harming the panel. And so finance needs to not just say, hey, why aren't we doing more with X, Y, Z? Finance needs to first understand what type of work X, Y, Z does with Pure Profile. Mm -hmm. And then they can have a more informed discussion with be it a sales team or or whoever about, hey, we need to do more work like this and less work like this. This is good revenue. You, this Got isn't it. good revenue. Also, looking at profits, you know, a profit on a project doesn't mean it's it's profit on a delivery. So, for example, we found a, a number of studies that were being slipped through. And it's a problem about when you're growing and you become global, some mm. things can slip through the cracks. And there were a number of studies where actually the screen outs far exceeded mm-hmm. the number of completes. And so on the face of it, you could say, if you don't look at the harm to the panel, so you don't look at the screen outs, you could actually say, oh, that was a high GM project. That was a right. high value project. But actually, there were a lot of screen outs. I managed to annoy X thousand panelists who got screened out. So suddenly operations, which is a natural one, but operations is yeah. thinking, is this a good study? Is this the right instance rate? Is Can we target this, etc." So they think about, and then sales. And so sales, it's got to be good work. You, we, we're 
not full of ourselves, not arrogant in any way, mm -hmm. but we won't accept bad work. And we will try to educate a client about why that project won't work or why their data will be questionable. And if that doesn't work, we'll refuse it because you need to build a great partnership with clients on success, on good quality sure. data, success is on, but equally you need to have a panel at the end of it. You can't yeah, yeah. launch one project that actually I've got attrition of, you know, three, yeah. four, five, percent, whatever. So everybody across the organization, we instill you're a custodian yeah. of panelists. And I say, and I've, I've always said this, if tomorrow um, the whole of the sales team won the lottery, we'd still have a business. If tomorrow the whole of the panel won the lottery, we wouldn't have a business right. anymore. That's a great Therefore, the most important thing in the business is the panel. That's fantastic. That really is a great, that brings it very, you can really relate to that because that's how critical it is. There's no business if there's no panel. Correct. And I'd say that also to the execs slightly differently. And I'd said this when I worked for somebody previously, we were all being full of ourselves sitting in an away day, away three days in some country where yeah. we <laughs> don't have an office, but all feeling good. And everybody's being full of ourselves. And I'd just written down some stats and I said, whilst we've been having this meeting, we've done X million completes, generated this many dollars, generated this much. Who's more important to the organisation? The 14 people sitting in this room or actually everybody else yeah. is sitting outside of the company. I really appreciate you taking the time. I love your passion, love your energy. And I really look forward to keeping in touch with you. Oh, look, Seema, you're doing brilliant things. You're changing our industry with what you're doing. And I hope somebody, as I said at the beginning, has taken away something positive from this. So thank you so much thank for, you. for inviting me. Thank you. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling programming and hosting services or consultation, we are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.datagurusepodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusepodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.